It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for joining me again this week as we take you through the latest news, analysis and game action surrounding our Chicago Bulls this week and what a strange, crazy old week this has been. We've had a couple of injuries, a couple terrible losses and a couple of just really bizarre and strange wins and Honestly, I don't know what to make of this team right now. It's been a, it's been a challenging week. If you if you follow this team, it's been a, a lot of ups and downs, more more downs than ups, I suppose. But it's been a strange odd week. We kicked it off this week talking balls with Darnell Mabry. He came onto the show to discuss Chris Dunn's injury, and of course that crazy weird win against the Charlotte Hornets and. I guess since then, the Bulls played the Hornets again, getting belted by 29 points on Friday night, then back at it again the next night against the Atlanta Hawks, back on the road. The Bulls somehow managed to be less terrible than the Hawks. I'll put it that way. I'm not sure if they necessarily won the game, but they didn't necessarily lose it either. So they weren't as bad as the Hawks. I'll put it that way because that game was, uh, that was, a, that was a tough game to sit through. If you, if you happen to do it, then, then credit to you because... Uh, that was a rough one. That was a real tough one to sit through. But like I said, it's been a strange old week for the Chicago Bulls, and it probably got a little bit worse after Bobby Portis got hurt in that Charlotte Hornets game. That was the lone negative in that game. And post that game, we found out that Bobby, similar to Dunn, will be missing four to six weeks with a sprained MCL. So the hits keep on coming for the Bulls. Not only are they not so great on the court, but off the floor, they're copying a lot of injuries. We have now four rotational pieces missing from the regular lineup, which is, for any team, that's tough to handle. But for a rebuilding team like the Bulls, a team that is so young, who needs everything really to go right for them to have any chance in, I guess, playing anywhere close to 500 basketball, to be hit with four injuries straight away and to to have them come so quickly, it's been kind of insane, really, to be seeing the amount of injuries this team has been going through. And it's, you know, fingers crossed, but it hasn't been to Jabari Parker or... Zach Levine at this point, which you probably would have thought if anyone was going to get injured, it was the two guys that have three ACLs between them, but it's been all the other players. So hopefully uh, I haven't put the jinx on those guys and they remain injury free, but somehow the Bulls have racked up four injuries here and it's made viewing these games pretty tough because the Bulls are running out some pretty terrible lineups out there and a lot of it is being forced. I'm not necessarily suggesting this is on Hoiberg here because 
He's having to really dive into his third and even his fourth string reserves at the moment, and he's giving them a lot of minutes, which he kind of has to do when you've got four players out. So we're seeing minutes here to Shaq Harrison. Ryan Archidiakno is playing a lot of minutes. Cameron Payne is obviously starting and playing minutes. Cristiano Felicio is back in the rotation, and he's getting 25, 30 minutes on, on any given night at this point. Chandler Hutchinson is in the rotation. I'm not sure if he should be. Uh, under normal circumstances, he probably wouldn't be, but he's getting a lot of minutes at this point. So there's a lot of players in this rotation at the moment that probably shouldn't be in it if assuming the Bulls were actually trying to go out there with a full squad and trying to win games. So they're relying a lot on guys that aren't necessarily reliable at this point, who probably shouldn't be playing, but alas, they have to be because of uh, all the injuries. So... Relying on these types of players from here on out over the next sort of four to six weeks is going to be really tough. And we saw that against the Hornets on Friday night. We didn't get the Cameron Payne game again. Not that we were ever going to get it again. That was obviously a freak outlier. But it just goes to show how much the Bulls really need these crazy performances from their their end-of-the-bench role players if they're going to have any chance to sort of go out there and win games. So they didn't obviously get that Cameron Payne game uh, again, against the Charlotte Hornets, they didn't have any other reserves necessarily step, in, step up in that one. And it was just too much to ask Zach Levine to go out there and carry the team and, ha- and give the Bulls any chance against the Charlotte Hornets. That was never going to happen. But against the Atlanta Hawks on Saturday night, probably a team that may be just as bad as the Bulls, maybe slightly better, who knows, but they're definitely not. they're definitely not a good team. And like I said before, the Bulls managed to be a little bit less terrible. So that's me giving that that game the, the best possible compliment I can give it. But beyond that, I don't know if there's really too much more we can talk about these games. I mean, we could t- potentially dive into each game and do some sort of analysis, but really we'd be repeating ourselves because it's the same old themes here. It's the bad defense. It's the fact that their balls are relying on players that they probably shouldn't be. There's some odd coaching decisions on occasions, but then there's some good ones as well. So we don't necessarily know how to fully judge Fred Hoiberg Jabari Park is still on the bench and isn't necessarily performing at a high level, at least in my opinion. The lone the lone bright spot at the moment is probably Zach Levine, who continues to look great offensively. He probably didn't it wasn't probably wasn't at his best against the Atlanta Hawks with the nine turnovers, but he did have a career high in rebounds. He still had twenty seven points, so he's still scoring showing that he can score the ball. Even with defenses starting to zero in on him now, so you, we're seeing some adjustments from teams that they realize the Bulls have nothing outside of Zach Levine. So they're sending two, sometimes even three defenders at Levine. And that's probably going to be a tough couple of weeks coming up here for Levine. How he sort of adjusts now with defense is starting to lock on and onto him and pretty much just him at this point. Because why would you bother guarding anyone else? If Cameron Payne is on the court, why would you sort of start guarding Cameron Payne out to the three-point line when you can sort of send a double to Zach Levine instead and force him to get the ball up or... Same thing if you're starting Chandler Hutchinson. Are you really going to be that concerned if Hutchinson is sort of sitting in the corner there with his slow mechanics and his slow-looking jump shot? Are you that concerned about Hutchinson killing you offensively? Or are you going to use his man to sort of help onto Zach Levine as, as Levine sort of drives towards the basket? So these are the things that are ball, the Bulls are dealing with. These are the issues. I don't necessarily want to dive too much into it because like I said, just watching those games was was tough enough and reliving them now and having to talk about them now, it's probably, I'm probably not up for it to be honest with you guys and I'm not sure if you guys necessarily want to hear about those games again anyway. So let's bring on my guests this week anyway. Let's just talk about some nonsense, talk about some bull stuff, but 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I want to forget these games. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Let's try to forget these games as best I can. So joining me now to talk balls, and I'm extremely fortunate to have the opportunity to do so, given his status in the music world as the lead guitarist for Chicago's greatest ever cover band. He's the one, the only Fred Pfeiffer. Fred, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. You're, you're bringing me uh, back to some good times with that uh, intro there. Yeah, it was it was great riding the high as uh, the elite cover band in the Chicago metro area uh, back in the day. But uh, those days are over, unfortunately. Some, all my dreams are smashed. Uh, very similar to what we're experiencing now in the in beloved Boldum. Boldum, <laughs> <Bold> yes. <laughs> you know, as a, as a quick aside, there's yeah. a really good end to that story. You want me to share with you? I didn't share with anybody. Oh, I mean, if there's, it, it, if there's a part two, please. <laughs> so. At that time, uh, and anybody who's not aware of the situation we're referring to can always go to Chicago Bullseye, listen to episode 399, my interview with uh, uh, Ricky O'Donnell. And I start out by sharing uh, a, 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 how our band came to an inglorious end at an establishment <laughs> in Chicago, um, where basically I was uh, humbled in public by a midget, a, a wrestling midget named Meathead. <laughs> the, the worst part of the story, though, that I didn't share was that at that time, I had a job where I was tra- uh, traversing the Chicago metro area in sales for a company called SBC that later became AT&T. And they had a product called smartpages.com that they wanted to publicize. So they gave me a company car, and I'm not lying, it was a Volkswagen Beetle uh, that was painted bright like neon yellow, and it had a like a cartoon face on the on the hood, and it was given the name of Starlight. And actually, the license plate was ST. A-R-L-I-T-E. So that was my car for three years. And that was the <laughs> that was the car that I drove to this gig that I had to pack my equipment in after they were it was destroyed. Yeah. And uh, while I was packing the equipment uh, in the alley of the establishment, all I was doing was praying that Meathead was not going to come out and see my car. <laughs> and, <laughs> as I, and just as I finished, as I drove away, Meathead walked out saw the car I was driving and there was a huge line of people that entered the establishment. And as I drove away, he was laughing, shouting expletives, laughing his, his head off as he looked at my car, pointing at me, look at the clown, you know, basically and, and the entire uh, people in line were all laughing in unison as I drove away in a bright neon <laughs> yellow Volkswagen Beetle. All my dreams shattered. Is this, is this a true story? Like, are, you, are you having a song? Story. This is all true. And anybody who knows oh me too who's listening to this remembers that car. I mean, there are literally probably a hundred stories of what happened to me in that car that are just hilarious. So maybe I'll, I'll start out every visit with you with a, another story of what happened to me. Yeah, I mean, I love story time with Fred Pfeiffer, but it's, it's I, I need to get my this, hands right? on a... Well, yeah, it is, and I mean, they're almost as embarrassing as the Bulls' defense at the moment, but I need to get my hands on a, a Giggle Water VHS or something. I need, to, I need to see one of these performances. But I will send you uh, one. I have many. Thank you. I'll Please. autograph it, too. <laughs> Limited edition. Exactly. Matt, what, what do you think of the state of this team? It's just unbelievable that we're here, you know, less than what, well, two weeks in. It's bad. It's really bad, and... It sucks because you and I, we're, uh, we're Bulls podcasters. We write stuff about the Bulls. And I can't imagine, from the fan base at least, the interest of this team being very high at the moment. And completely understandable, given mm-hmm. what we're sort of witnessing here with four key rotational players out. And 
even before then, a lot of questions surrounding this team. But now, without those four guys, it's become a bit of a shit show here. And I don't know what to make of what we're witnessing because it's been so bad that you don't necessarily want to watch and you're not necessarily engaged when you are watching. But then at the same time, they are missing so many key pieces to a team that was already so heavily flawed that I just don't know what to make out for the for what's to come for the rest of the season once these guys come back. Yeah, I well, you're missing four pieces, and if you step back and look, it's probably our best player, our best defender, our best six man. I mean, these aren't just like guys, right? They're probably four out of the top seven guys in rotation. And so, I mean, I don't care if you're the Golden State Warriors, you're not going to win in that type of situation. But I do want to see a little bit of creativity from Fred and, you know, his first move of putting Chandler Hutchinson in as the power forward. I think it's just so patently ridiculous and mind-blowing to me that I, he's just dead to me now. I mean, I don't understand. You have, it's clear that Jabari Parker, who's on basically a one-year deal, there's some things that you also have to analyze. Like, I believe in putting your players in a position to succeed. So from Parker's viewpoint, you know, he did not want to go to the bench. It's clear by his no comment statements. He wants to start. And here's a situation where this is like a no brainer. You know, you have an injury to Portis, who should have been that, in my opinion, coming off the bench. But now you just place Parker in there, who you would agree. And I agree. And I think everyone else here is a power forward. That's fine. That's his best position. Start him. He starts Chandler Hutchinson, who's 196 pounds, you know, losing. 30. What's the first thing that Charlotte does? They go to Marvin Williams in the post. You you put your player in a position to fail. And he had a terrible game. He had 0 for 4 from the field. He had some rebounds. Um, but, you know, you just you, – you, you, first of all, you put Hutchinson in a position to fail. You did not make it comfortable for him. He's still learning the game. And you put him in a position that he's not used to playing at power forward. So you, you, you screwed up Hutchinson. And then Parker – you know, Parker actually had a decent game. He was 7-14 from the field, 19 points against Charlotte – in Charlotte, but again, you, 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 he's checking out because he's not starting. It's just so incredibly stupid to me. And his argument that oh, I want him leading the, the second unit, like starters, players want to start. What about the starting unit? What are you doing for Zach Levine? It's no coincidence Zach Levine didn't have a good game. You can't just surround him with guys that are not a threat to score, like Chandler Hutchinson and Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday's terrible basketball player right now, and he just keeps on playing him. It's outrageous, and, and he's just a terrible coach. The guy's not good, and I feel a little bit sorry for him because he had to do with a, a ton of, deal with a ton of injuries in year one. People forget that team was 21-12 at 12 at one point in that year, and then, you know, again, four of their top eight guys spent significant parts of that second half of that season out. He's experiencing the same thing here, but he's just not a leader of men, and then he comes out after the game and he finally shows some fire. You know, you got to play, play your ass off. Like, I didn't think effort was a big issue a, t- a huge issue yesterday. I just thought more so these guys are just not good. What say you? <sighs> yeah, I'll tell you to pound sand. That's what I'd say. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, I think you make good points and certainly points that I've considered myself. But then I sit here and think, well, what other options were there? And I sort of understand the reasoning that you're putting forward in terms of starting Parker. And that's what I assumed Fred was going to do given Bobby Portis won out. Larry Malkin's obviously already out. Jabari Parker, I've been ranting about the fact that he is a power forward. Kind of makes sense to just throw him back into the starting unit at this point. But then at the same time, I understand the theory as to why you bring him off the bench because if you don't and you have both him and Zach Levine 
starting the game. One of them needs to come out early anyway because they're going to have to get minutes with that second unit irrespective of what happens as to whether he starts or not because that bench unit, that would be horrific if both are off at that point. So I I don't know. I'm torn on this one because I I think Fred is just in a tough situation where he he doesn't really have a, a point guard, sorry, a power forward outside of Jabari Parker to really lean on. We we mentioned Chandler Hutchinson started the game, but if he doesn't start at power forward, he's playing backup power forward minutes, and again, that probably doesn't work anyway. So it's just a terrible situation to be in. I, I just felt, why don't you go big? Why don't you? Get, everybody's talking about how the league's going small. Yeah, the league is going small, but you're playing the team that was 0 for 10 to start the game from three-point range. They're not a great three-point shooting team, and you're getting killed on the boards. Why don't you go big? Why don't you get creative and put Wendell Carter Jr. at, at the four and put um, and maybe even try to get some time? I know you're laughing, but Parker at the three and maybe, you know, just start Lopez or Felicio at the center position. You're getting destroyed on the boards. That's the answer. You go big. And instead, he, he just I'm going to go small no matter what. I'm going to put Hutchinson in at the power forward position. Totally screws him up. His confidence is delicate and he has a terrible game. Who knows what he's going to be like? I, I'm fine with the Hutchinson move. I think he should be starting at this small forward position. I know we were going back and forth on Twitter yesterday, but Justin Holiday again, you know, one for five from three provides nothing out there. He's not a good defensive player. It's, insa- it's just complete insanity that he just went in this direction, and I just it just smacks of desperation, and that's what he's been doing all year. Uh, it is a tough situation. I, I, I realize that, but you don't make it worse by putting players in positions where they're not going to succeed, that they're not used to playing. And that's exactly what he did with Hutchinson. And Blakeney is the guy who's going to be on the second unit. That's what he's made to do. That's why you signed him to a full year contract. He's a, a full first class chucker. Let him be the guy to try to make it happen in the second unit. He had a decent game against Charlotte and Charlotte. But, you know, instead you insist on putting Parker in that second unit with Blake and the, I don't think those guys play well together. And I know there's some people that are going to argue, well, you can't have Parker and, and Levine on the same unit because defensively it's going to suffer. I thought Hutchinson should have been starting at the three, Parker at the four, and Levine. And I, I don't think there's enough of a body of work to say Levine and Parker can't play together. I think that's a ridiculous assertion. Um, if, if, if Levine can play with Portis, he sure as heck can play with Parker because I think Parker's a superior offensive player and I think he's just as good defensively. Well, I mean, you talk about playing position or players out of position and I kind of, I thought about the lineups that you just sort of just suggested there too with Wendell Carter Jr. sliding to power forward and then playing either Felicio as the starting center or, or bringing Robin Lopez back into the rotation. But I mean... You, in that instance, you would be playing Wendell Carter Jr. out of position at power forward. So either way, the Bulls were going to have to shift someone into a position they weren't comfortable with. And I guess Fred went with the smaller option against the Hornets here because the Hornets are a smaller team who start smaller guys, I guess. They, they don't necessarily run a traditional big or a traditional power forward. So I, again, I sort of get the, the, the idea as to why Fred did that. And thinking about the teams that the Bulls are sort of playing in the coming days, then maybe they can sort of, there'll be an opportunity to try that Wendell Carter Jr. sort of lineup, particularly when, you know, maybe the, the Denver, Denver Nuggets come to town and town rather, and, you know, maybe you can put Wendell Carter Jr. on Paul Millsap and maybe someone like Lopez against uh, Nikola uh, Jokic or something of that nature. Maybe you can stuff around with that 
in that particular matchup, but I, I just don't know if that's the case for the specific Hornets game and, and even the Atlanta Hawks game, if that if that rotation can work. Hey, if, if you feel the way you do about Wendell Carter Jr. that I do, and I know you do, I mean, we both love the guy. Mm-hmm. And he had several moments yesterday where on the defensive end where I literally just you know stood up out of my easy chair and started just you know, fist pumping the air. I was so his block on Tyler was, uh, was is it the no, Cody Zeller? Sorry, that was that was ridiculous. A work of art. It was awesome. It, but if if you agree with me and feel that way, he should be able to seamlessly play the four and the five. That's what Draymond Green does. That's what I view Wendell Carter Jr. to, you know, not be as probably a good of a ball handler or passer. Is is uh, um, I, I think his passing is really underrated. I, I that's what I view him to be. Draymond Green. He should be able to slide between the four and the five. So why why do you have reservations about him playing a power forward position? Well, I, I certainly don't think he can slide as easily between four and five the way Draymond Green does. I think he can do it against some uh, some bigs like like Paul Millsap for example. Uh, for example, like I mentioned before, I think that's an example of a power forward where he could I think he could match up against, but against maybe Marvin Williams, who theoretically isn't that great of a player, but he's a more mobile. I don't know. Maybe maybe Carter Jr. could do it, but uh, again, I I think you probably want to keep you at center at this point because that's where I think the position he will be playing for the majority of his career. But I mean, desperate times, maybe you have to throw him out there. But I, I do think we will see that at some point because the Bulls just don't have a lot of players at the moment. I don't know if you can just leave Robin Lopez on the bench collecting dust when basically you're using every other single player out there. So. <laughs> Like, I thought the same thing really quick to jump on that point. Did you find that a little bit strange? I mean, I know Robin Lopez, he's gone from starting the preseason as a starter at the center position to a guy who got zero minutes yesterday. You know, literally in four regular season games, he's not even playing. It's kind of bizarre. I understand his game isn't really tailored to the modern day NBA, but I don't know if he deserves to have zero minutes. It's kind of what, what, what do you feel the impetus is between, b- behind this move? Well, I think it's, and, and this is this is something I want to see a little bit more, whether this is just a, a couple game sample size here against the Hornets and the Hawks, whether Fred is just doing this to really experiment with that switching style of defense, because that's been clear as to why they've really inserted Felicio here, particularly against the Hornets. Without without Chris Dunn, they, you know, if you just sort of have a traditional sort of center out there where you're, You've got Robin Lopez guarding the pick and roll, and he's just dropping back to the rim. Campbell Walker is just going to absolutely destroy the Bulls in terms of getting past Cameron Payne initially, but then getting to the just getting inside the lane and creating havoc from there, and really setting up those three point shots. So, and look, he, he was probably going to do that irrespective of who they played at center and the and the way they decided to guard him. But I think they went with that switch heavy uh, defense because without done, they they're really trying to get the ball out of a guy like Kemba Walker's hand by really pressuring him, pressuring him outside the three-point line, hedging hard, trapping him outside that three-point line and trying to make him give up the ball. So I think that's the strategy as to why we're seeing more Felicio here. But I kind of get it as well because in the minutes Lopez has played this season, including preseason, he was very, very bad. And all I hope is that Fred has communicated clearly to to Robin Lopez as to why he's not playing minutes. I hope it's not a situation where he's just getting or not getting minutes and is not really being communicated to and, and and Lopez is getting annoyed by that. Hopefully that's not happening. But I think based on play this this season, you can't really defend Robin Lopez at this point, even though he's a player who I love and you know I thought he was actually quite helpful for the Bulls last season. 
I do want to touch on one thing that uh, I know you know that needs to be discussed because I think it's going to blow up in the next few days if it hasn't already. And that's this Jabari Parker and Fred are, I think, you know, Jabari's one of the greatest guys in the world. Fred seems like a nice guy. This is as full blown of a, of an argument that you'll see. And it's clear with some of the comments from Parker and Fred that they're, they really just pretty much had enough of each other. So after the Hornets game on Friday, Parker uh, said the Hornets made offensive adjustments from Wednesday to Friday. Instead of setting, here's his quote, instead of setting a single side pick and roll, they said double drag and we couldn't guard it. We didn't have a scheme for it. That kind of buried us. It was unplanned. They kept running it too, end quote. That is as strong of a condemnation of a coach you will ever read by a player, especially a player who's as nice as Jabari Parker. And then Fred comes out, they're not playing hard. I, I think those two are going at it subtly in the press. And I think behind closed doors are probably going at it worse. And from Parker, Parker's perspective, I completely understand it. Players want to start. He deserves a start. He's one of the best players, and you know I don't. I, I never agreed what Fred's doing here. What say you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're necessarily going at it. I, I I know the quote you're referencing here, and, and I think Casey Johnson had another one. I follow up to that where he, Parker was pretty much effectively asked if it was if it was on coaching, and he backed away from that. Now maybe it was a, a subtle sort of attack there on on Hoiberg, and of course he was always going to back away from saying he wasn't having a shot at Hoiberg, but. I don't know, maybe there's something to it, maybe there's not. I, I, I don't know, but I, I, look, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm, I'm not sure if this example necessarily proves that one way or another, but you know, to your point, I wouldn't be surprised about it, but <laughs> I could easily see it becoming a thing, particularly if the defense continues to be this wayward, and, and with the Golden State Warriors, Denver Nuggets, Indiana Pacers, and Houston Rockets coming to town next week, all next week, uh, it's, it's going to get pretty dicey here, It's going to get ugly. Oh, it's going to get so ugly. Oh, Mark, boy. I got to ask you. Next 20, so 22 games, I, I predict they'll all be back by game number 22. What's our record going to be by game 22? Game 22? Well, what are we through? We're, we're through seven games now. Jesus. I think we've got 15 left to go. I'll, I'll give them maybe, there's a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers coming up. Another one against the the Mavs. They've got one against the Knicks. So there's maybe three to four games. There's one against Phoenix Suns as well. So there's probably three, four, maybe five games where they potentially could get a win here. I'll, I'll say three to four games. So let's go four and 18. 22. So after 22, four and 18. Wow. All right. So the last, the reason I mentioned this because the last 60 games, right? If you're at game 22, there's 60 games left. I feel the Bulls will at least go 500. I think they're a 500 team at least with their team healthy, with three or four top rotation players healthy again. So you're, so you're assuming in 22 at, games, the four guys will be back, or at least three of them? Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, these aren't injuries that should keep them out that long. Mm-hmm. I think I'm being pretty... Uh, I think Markin will come back soon, and so I also feel Valentine will come back soon, and Dunn will be the third guy to come back. I think Portis will be the last guy to come back, but yeah. getting the, those first three coming back are the most important three to get back, and I think that team from that point forward, it's going to mirror last year, where you're going to see when these guys come back, they're going to play significantly better, um, and then the, that's my biggest concern then. If you do, if you if you kind of go along the same lines of what I've said, they'll finish 30 and 30 in the last 60 games. So if you feel that they're going to have five wins, you know, uh, or four or five wins that put, put you at, you know, 34, 35 wins, 
that's not going to get you in the playoffs, but it's also going to probably put you near the end of the lottery. So it's, they really need to be at seven and 15 for them to have a shot at the playoffs, uh, that eighth seed. And if not, I would highly recommend just going in a full board tank because the team's going to be too good to, to really be a, a low seeded team. I feel that way. Do you disagree with this? Yeah, I don't think they're definitely going to win as many games as you're suggesting. So I agree. I disagree on that front, but I, I don't know. I don't know if taking is the right call. Or it, it very may well be, but I, I think it kind of depends on what happens with Fred Hoiberg here. Maybe, maybe if things sort of change with him in terms of he gets the can, he's gone mid-season or something of that nature, and then they bring in Jim Boylan as a as a caretaker coach. Maybe at that point the tank becomes an option, but. I think unlike last last season where you sort of lost players towards the back end of the season and you know whether they were injured truly injured or not that that we could debate but clearly the Bulls were resting players towards the back end of last season whereas this season it's happened to start the season you're going to have players who are going to be hungry who want to be coming out and playing well who'll be coming back into the rotation now the Bulls may still be bad enough that they lose games anyway but I don't know if we can actively tank after 22 games at this point because I don't know I don't think the players will be trying to do that just yet but who knows who knows what will happen but I certainly don't see them winning 50% of their games after game 22 of this season so I don't think they're going to win 35 games I think it's going to be a rough season irrespective of these players coming back given the way things are going to be or the way things have started here with so many players out and with the, the schedule being really tough over over November and into December, yeah, it doesn't look great for the Bulls. Yeah, I'm just a little confused of why you feel that. I mean, they almost beat Pistons, who are obviously started out great. I, I don't feel like the team has played outside of the Charlotte game and probably the 76ers game. I think it's clear that if you added a player of Laurie Markkinen's ilk or you added a defender of Dunn's quality, they'd play much better. Just can't can't win with guys out like this at yeah, this level. Of course, they'll, they'll, I mean, they'll be big better. Picture, they'll definitely looking be better. Into the, looking into the season, I mean, we've already had a, a major win in Levine being significantly better than we expected. So the team's already going to be a lot better than we expected because nobody expected Levine to be this good. You know, so I, I do feel like 30 and 30 in the last 60 when the team's healthy is at, not at all out of the question. Yeah, but I mean, but a, a we'll regression see. is coming for Zach Levine. He's not going to maintain this level of efficiency. And then that's not to say he's going to revert back to being the player he was last season. I'm not necessarily suggesting that. And given so many players are out at the moment, I expect his raw basic stats to maintain, maintain themselves pretty highly here. So I'm not su- suggesting he's going to crater off and become a an inefficient 15-point-per-game type player, but it's going to be tough here for Zach with so little support that defenses are going to start locking on and onto him and are going to really start kingling on him and trying to solely stop him. So I wouldn't want to be Zach Levine in this situation because he's in for a tough one. But I, I sort of see your point in terms of the fact that Levine is giving the Bulls more than what we could have ever imagined, but I think their defense is just going to be so bad that if your defense is this bad, even when some of these players start to come back, unless you're clicking on offense, you're not going to win many games. Maybe you get lucky and, and, and sneak a few out here and there, but they really need to clean up that defensive side of the ball if they want any chance of going anywhere close to 500 once these guys are back. So 
Uh, I don't see Fred, but I I'm, I want to ask you this question. Do you, do you, do you bring that up? Because uh, are you wanting to revise our bet? Is that is that what you're angling at here? <laughs> I would do anything to wear a, a pain jersey. I, that's how low I, I think of <laughs> Kirk Heinrich that I would prefer to wear a pain jersey for a week than a Heinrich jersey. I would yeah, I'd like to revise the bet. How about an Archie not in the NBA jersey? <laughs> Is that all right? I'm, can, I go, I'm, can I go that way? Look, I'm I'm willing to listen to your best offer as to why we may revise <laughs> the bet down now, just so it's clear for everyone that's listening who may not be aware. I'm sure they are, but just in case, you and I had a bet this season that if the Bulls win 44 or, or more games, 44 to 47 to be exact, I would lose the bet, or you would win the bet, I guess, and I would have to wear... A, Oh, begrudgingly have to wear a Denzel Valentine jersey, which I obviously don't want to be doing. And the opposite side of that bet was if the Bulls win less than 44 games, I win the bet and you have to sport a Kirk Heinrich jersey. Now, given the start to this season and the fact that there's four rotational players out for, let's call it a, a month or potentially even more here, there's a good chance that I'm winning this bet, Fred. So I'm in a pretty good position. So I'm going to need to hear a compelling case as to one, why we res- uh, we revise the terms of the vet, maybe in terms of what the win number has to be, but even what the uh, the payoff is, the payoff of this bet is. But I'm going to take a hard line here and say that I'm not going to be revising my stance in terms of the player's jersey you have to wear. It's staying as a Heinrich jersey, unfortunately for you, but... I'm prepared to listen to what we revised down the win total for your end, at least. What we revised that down to. But I, I'm going to need to hear what I get back in return for putting that on the table. Well, if you're going to play it this way, I'm just going to have to suck it up and wear the jersey. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to. The only thing that I'm really disappointed about is I'm going to have to leave my wife and children for <laughs> for uh, a couple for a week as I go to the remote. Some some remote outposts on this planet to just uh, spend a week and uh, wear an Irish jersey by myself. <laughs> well, I'm offering you. One. I'm pretty much offering you a double or nothing type situation. So, if you're confident the Bulls are going to win 30 games once those guys are back and they can maybe get towards 35 wins, then what are you prepared to put oh, on the double? Are you? No, I'm not. Oh, I'm not saying that. You. I'm saying you're you're confident the Bulls are going to get to maybe 35 wins, which is. Obviously, 10 or so wins less than what you initially thought, but if you're thinking the Bulls can still get to 35 wins, surely surely you're prepared to put something else on the table to maybe make me feel so inclined to reduce it to the 35, let's say. I have been working on a list of alternates, you know, including Payne and Archie not in the NBA. Maybe like, how about like a, a week of Archie not in the NBA and then a week of Heinrich? Two weeks total jersey wearing. Uh, if we revise the total down to a lower number. That said, I'd probably want to wait a few days to see how they look uh, for a week or two because I might be unwittingly putting myself in a situation where I'd have two full weeks of embarrassment. But I'm just hoping a Buddhist temple will let me in for a week wearing a Heinrich jersey. Do you think that'd be a big deal? (laughs) Are you going to become a monk now? Yeah, imagine me in a a Buddhist temple with everyone wearing their, their cloaks and there's Fred in the corner praying and chanting in his Heinrich jersey. I think that'd be great. Scene. I'm not sure images of you 
praying in a Heinrich jersey would necessarily be tranquil enough to be <laughs> sort of just in a, in a Buddhist temple for a two-week period or whatever it may be. So. I don't know. I, I tell you what. Let me work on some alternatives. I'm yeah. going to propose next week. Let's workshop this. Let's workshop this. Everybody, bit. everybody, send me on Twitter some alternate bets because uh, I, you know, I've been honestly in my head to show you how ridiculous this is. I'm, I've kind of come to the realization that I'm going to lose this bet, and even worse than Nico make, make the All Star team. So as soon as I put on the jersey, there's a baseball field not far from where I live. I'm going to run on a baseball field and slide head first into second base. And then when I get up, it'll be filled with dirt and no one will be able to see the number 12. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that's certainly an option for you. So whether you want to roll around in dirt for, uh, dirt for two weeks, uh, I'll, I'll leave that up to you. But just as a parting note, I'm prepared to revise the, the win total down to 35 wins. One, to keep things interesting for us, because if it stays at 44, you have no chance at all. I think that's clear. But I'm I'm prepared to revise it down to 35, but I'm not going to back away from a Heinrich jersey, but it doesn't necessarily have to be for two weeks. I'm I'm happy for it to remain at one week if you give me something else or you put something else on the table. But yeah, let's workshop that latter part. But I'm prepared at this point to open open negotiations and revise this thing down to... To 35 wins if you give me a, a compelling offer so think on that one fred but um either way i'm feeling pretty confident here that sounds good for our segment next week i'll come up with the options and uh hopefully you'll find it in the kindness of your heart i've been a lot nicer i think we've been a lot more friendly on, on uh twitter to each other so i think this is hopefully moving towards a good agreement somewhere down the line well we'll see we'll see but um <laughs> So long as it's advantageous for me, I, I would agree, but <laughs> we shall see. But until next time, Fred, uh, we'll, we'll talk again in a week or so, but uh, always a pleasure to, to um, have you on the show. And like I said, get me one of those VHS of the uh, you know classic uh, giggle water performance. I need to see it. <laughs> Sounds good, brother. I, I, I got to tell you one shout out, man. Interviews, uh, Darnell Mayberry, your show and interviews with me. Uh, also, Kevin Anderson, the Bulls IQ is really roaring up the charts. Bulls IQ? To, uh, what's, very... what's Bulls IQ? Uh, <laughs> oh, Bulls HQ. You've become a regular on this bloody show. I... You don't even know what the freaking name is. <laughs> I renamed it Bulls IQ. <laughs> Bulls IQ is going up the charts on Bulls HQ with the, your guests. It's been a, a very enjoyable listen. I've actually got you ranked really high now. So for the, all the podcasts, I got, you know, obviously mine, number one, Big Red Bus, number two. And then I, there's uh, three, I just leave it empty, you know, n- nothing, just to, you know, prove a point that there's a huge gap. Right. But number four, I got you up at number four. What do you think of that? Wow. That's, 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 that's a big honor, I guess. But I mean, I, I would have to say that I did listen to the latest Bulls Red, uh, sorry, Big Red Bus, I should say. But um, I did notice you sort of parted ways on that show with a bit of a shot at Bulls HQ, which I found kind of ironic given that you have now been given a weekly spot here. But I don't know. <laughs> did I give a shit? What did I say? Oh, I don't, I don't know. You, you mentioned how you mentioned something about it. it was it wasn't a positive thing anyway? But um, look, oh, fourth. I'll, I'll take fourth. That's not too bad. There you go. All right, brother. All right, I got to hit the ground running. Enjoy your enjoy your week and uh, let's go Bulls. We can do this. We can get the seven wins, uh, seven and fifteen. That's my goal. Right, we make friend. it happen. I still got a shot. Take it easy, brother.
Yeah, they're definitely not winning 7 out of 15 games, but thanks for joining me anyway, Fred, and thank you guys for jumping on as well. Apologies for this one being a little bit shorter than usual, as I sort of mentioned before. Given the the state of the last couple games, I didn't necessarily want to dive too much further into them, and hopefully you guys understand why. But let me know if you want me to go through these terrible games, even in the event they do suck hard. But look, if that's what you guys want, if let me know, and I'll, uh, I'll put myself through it if that's what the listeners want to hear. But... At the moment, let's avoid that sort of stuff. I'll probably be back. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll be back next Monday. I'm away this weekend, which is probably a good thing given the Bulls schedule coming up, as I sort of alluded to it before. There's some tough teams coming through Chicago this week, and it might get a little bit ugly here, Bulls fans, but let's see what happens. But in the event that they somehow pull out a win against the Golden State Warriors or the Houston Rockets, the Denver Nuggets, one of these teams, maybe I jump on before I get away, but... If I'm not back in your podcast feeds next Monday, that's why. But we'll be back again soon anyway. But until then, thanks for joining me on this episode and I'll catch you all again next time. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.